Well, I am turning 65 this year. And if you're shocked, I hope it's because you thought I was younger, not because oh, I thought you were 72. Um, but it apparently means I have to sign up for Medicare. And the, um, uh, you know, the, the whole gist of that is an interesting concept to me. Now, a couple of months ago, I was warned that I would start getting flooded with solicitations uh, for Medicare supplemental policies. Now, it was interesting because I was being warned by someone who wants to talk to me about um, Medicare supplemental policies. And uh, sure enough, I started getting quite a few calls a day from numbers I don't recognize, area codes I've never seen before. Uh, I counted one day, and uh, I had gotten 13 calls before lunch. Uh, yeah, and and um, I, I don't answer the calls. I, what I see, particularly when it's an area code that I don't recognize, you know, it shows up on my phone, and, and I, I don't answer those. Now, I found out that my phone has this wonderful little feature that when you get calls like that, then you can block that number from calling you again. So what I started doing then is uh, when I would get those calls, I started blocking all of those numbers. And I actually get quite, uh, it's, it has worked and it has helped a lot. I don't even think I get 13 calls a week anymore, um, you know, from, from that. And I'm quite pleased about that. Now, let me just tell you, um, if you call my cell phone um, and I don't answer, leave a message because I don't answer numbers that I don't recognize. Um, there is a little caveat to that, but because sometimes I, I, I'm expecting a call. It gets a little dicey then when I'm expecting a call back from, uh, you know, on an appointment or a doctor following up on something or to tell me my car is done and then, and then it's like, oh, should I answer it? You know, then, then I, I answer it and a time or two I've gotten horn snoggled by, you know, somebody trying to sell me something. But if you've ever called my cell phone, I then programmed you into my contact. So if you've ever called my cell phone, your number shows up as, as, um, a name, and, you know, which uh, one of them, it was interesting, showed up as scam likely. And uh, we, uh, <laughs> I, I changed it. I, I, you know, I changed it to the legitimate name. Uh, but, um, you know, so, it, but leave a message because sometimes I, I'm in the middle of something and I can't call you back. I mean, I can't answer the phone even if I know it's you. If I, if I can, you know, I answer and I, I will get back to you whenever I, you know, whenever I can. Um, you know, and when I'm able, I, you know, I have my ringer on and the nice thing on my cell phone too is I programmed it so that it tells me the name of who's calling, uh, or at least the phone number. So if I'm doing something like what, as when I was working on the sermon, you know, I got, you know, a call from different people and it told me who it was who was calling and I knew, you know, sometimes if I needed to answer then or call back later, um, you know, and that's just a handy feature because I don't always have to stop doing what I'm doing. Like I said, it gets a little tricky if I'm expecting a call back to give me some information on something. Now, when my family calls, I always try to answer, at least send them a text message if I'm in a meeting. For example, this week, uh, we we're going to be in uh, downtown at meetings all week, general conference of the missionary church is happening. And so Kent and I are going to be down there at meetings, and if I get a call, um, 
and I see, you know, who it is, particularly if it's my family, I text them back right away and, you know, tell them I'm, I'm in a meeting. Do I need to step out and call you? And, you know, they get back to me. And, you know, so um, who is it you always answer a call from? I mean, if, if it's coming in, our, our, our message today and, and stepping into the light, um, it's an instance when someone answered a call that changed the whole course of their life. We only hear about this person one time in the Bible. Let's pray and we're going to look at uh, this instance. Uh, Father, thank you for the way in which you reach out to us. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to block you. We don't want to not answer when you are reaching out and calling to us. We want to respond to you in every way we can, every single time that you reach out to us. So help us to learn as we look into your word this morning. Teach us. Teach us to be responsive and receptive and to answer when you call us. And Father, don't ever let us be so foolish as to ignore you. So now unfold yourself a little bit more as we look as we study, as we, um, as, as you have our attention, and when our attention wanders, draw us back to your word and your truth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19, so if you'll turn there, page 966 in the Pew Bible. This is Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. Now, I am always reminded of a very familiar song about Zacchaeus, you know, short people have... No, that's not really the song. Uh, you know, the song, it's, it's, it is that now culturally inappropriate Sunday school song. Uh, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. How can you call somebody a wee little man? That's offensive, you know. But at any rate, um, we're going to, you know, I hope not. Well, I don't know. Maybe you'll be offended. And if it is, I hope it's the offense of the gospel today and, and uh, not me rambling on. We're going to start with verse 1. Follow along. Luke chapter 19. It says he, now that's Jesus, just in case you were wondering. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a rich man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, in case you didn't get it earlier. Uh, He was trying to see who Jesus was, uh, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So, running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Now, while this is a very familiar interaction to many of you, I I simply am going to share some connections to our living that I believe God kind of shined some light on for me as I was reading through this, as I was uh, looking at at, uh, this event again. Uh, First we see it says that Jesus is passing through. Now, this was an intentional step on his you know on his journey it was very intentional on on jesus part so he could have this interaction with jesus now you have heard me say before i don't believe in coincidence 
I just don't. Because when the Bible tells me that all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began, guess what? I believe that all my days were, that God's not surprised by anything that comes into my life. He's not surprised by this. He is not caught off guard. He doesn't, isn't looking and saying, oh, I don't know how he got into that one. Uh, you know, God knows what's going on. I don't believe this was a chance meeting with Zacchaeus. Jesus had a life-changing interaction planned for Zacchaeus as he does with us many times. We're not just talking about salvation here. We're talking as he continues to unfold, continues to reach out to us. And what we have here, you know, God very intentionally interacts with us. He doesn't simply haphazardly come across us while we're doing other things. You know, like he's doing other things and, oh, look, there's Jeff, you know. <laughs> I didn't know. What a surprise, you know. It's, that's, not how, that's not how it is with God. He knows exactly what's going on. And, you know, while we're in life, it's not that God's just happened upon us. He's very purposeful in connecting with us as we go through our everyday life. And it's as we go through our everyday life that we need to learn to listen better. We need to learn to answer the call when God interacts with us through our everyday life and in the midst of our everyday life. Now, we're told here that Zacchaeus was serving as not just a tax collector, but it says the chief tax collector. That would be someone that everyone would expect Jesus not just to ignore, but also to condemn for his actions. Not just the fact that they, that he would talk to, that, you know, they didn't, they expected Jesus not to talk to him. They expected Jesus to, to, you know, rain down fire and burning coals on this guy's head. The tax collectors were notoriously uh, tough and landing on the greedy side of things. They made their money by extorting money from you, uh, you know, and that was just kind of how they earned their living. Uh, they were seen as in league with the Gentiles, more specifically in line with the occupying Roman government, which the Jews hated. They expected the Messiah was going to deliver them from this occupation of the Roman government, that, that, that the Messiah was going to come and, and relieve them from everything that went with the fact that they were now under the authority of Rome as a nation. And this is one of the things. That, and so Zacchaeus represented that nation to them and just reminded them of it. Now notice verse 3, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. It says he was trying to see who Jesus was. He wanted to watch Jesus from a distance. He was content to just see who he was and to see him from a distance. That's what he was happy with. We need to understand that our relationship with Jesus is a personal relationship. We don't simply watch others interact with Jesus. That's not how we have a relationship with him. That's not how we get to understand you know, what God wants for us by watching him interact with other people. Certainly he can learn things from other people, but when we, it, it's a personal interaction with Jesus that matters. That's what changes our life. That's the call he wants us to answer. Those are the things that he wants us to see, that, that personal interaction with him. Now, Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. I think that's the politically correct name for short people now. Anybody under six feet tall? Ooh. Ooh. You, you, all you wee little men out there. Sorry. Uh, 
Zacchaeus vertically challenged, you know, and the, the people weren't allowed to let, the, they weren't about to let this little pipsqueak get anywhere near the front. That just wasn't going to happen. Why? He ticked them off. Simply because of the job and the position that he had. He was an irritant to them. There was no way they were going to let this man get near the front of the crowd. Somebody else, perhaps, but not this guy. It isn't going to happen. He isn't going to get up there. You know, some, you know, some may very well have taken advantage. It doesn't tell us in the scripture, but, you know, some could be very well take advantage of it and say, well, Zacchaeus, you know, and just get, you know, rough him up a little bit and, and take a cheap shot, you know. So Zacchaeus runs ahead, it says, to get a spot while he can. Now, this wasn't like lining up for a parade. Uh, we just had the 4th of July. Well, and the Three Rivers Festival, they just had the parade, right? No. Yes. Not, oh, it's this coming Saturday. Oh, they're going to have the parade. What do we do in a parade? We line up and we sit there and we wait for them to come by. And what we want is a good seat. We used to have uh, the, the, the breakfast at Glenn and Cindy's house all the time. And, you know, you had to go out there. Even though it was their yard, they had to get out there early and stake out a place in their own yard. My One of my nieces lives up in the western suburbs of Chicago, and they do a fireworks display there at night and stuff. And um, so my sister called her uh, on the 4th of July and said, oh, did you just get up? No, I've been up since 5. She said I had to go put my blanket out. Go put your blanket out? I just am amazed that this happens, you know, this close to Chicago, you know. Um, the people are, people are polite enough where she goes out at 5 o'clock in the morning and spreads her blanket out in this field to watch the fireworks. When she comes back over 12 hours later, her blanket is still there and that's her spot. I, it's just a different... D- 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 this isn't what This isn't what was going on here. You see, when Jesus came, the people would crowd around him because they wanted to learn. And as Jesus moved, guess what they did? Moved along with him. So it wouldn't be Jesus walking in front of this these lined up people watching a parade. It's the teacher is here. Let's go learn. And so you learn by going and listening and staying with him. And as he's talking and, and you're picking up things and you're interacting and you're, you're getting all you can as he goes along. So it's this crowd of people that are moving along with Zacchaeus. So he had to do something so that when this crowd came, what's going to happen when the crowd comes? He's just going to push to the back. It says, so then he climbs up, we're told, you know, that he climbs up into this, into this sycamore, in, into this sycamore tree. And, and, uh, it, it's a sycamore fig, most likely. That's what would grow there. Now, he wouldn't, we always get these Sunday school pictures, and in, in some of them, Zacchaeus is way up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he is way up there. Uh, he really wouldn't even had to, he, he could have, but he wouldn't have had to even climb out over the road. All he had to do is get up, you know, a little higher. I appealed my real estate taxes. And when I went down to appeal my real, because they, they changed the value of our, of our property. Uh, the value of our property went up 93% in two years. I just thought that was a little excessive. That and the fact that they're, the, 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 you know, the brand new lots right down the street from us, just on the other side of the field from us, um, are selling for 
less money than what they have mine appraised at. So anyway, I went downtown, and the guy's sitting there, and he pulls up this overhead map. And uh, there's a pond over um, on the other side of this field. And he says, well, he said, you have a view of the pond. And he says, that's worth more. Pond is is where the the the, the uh, street sewers run to. That's the pond. And the only way I can see it is to get up on a ladder. You know, I said, you know, come, let's go enjoy the view, dear. And we climb up, you know, a twenty foot extension ladder, leaning against the house. Look at the pond. Aren't you relaxed? Well, you see, but here's the picture for you. Here's the picture for you. Zacchaeus doesn't have to climb, you know, all the way up in this tree. He just has to get up high enough to be able to see over the crowd and to see Jesus. That's really all he has to do, you know, to get up, you know, to get his wee little frame um, up high enough, you know, to 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 do this. Uh, but you know what? Zacchaeus, realize this in your own life. Zacchaeus did not have to climb the tree for Jesus to know he was there. Jesus came to interact with Zacchaeus. That's one of the things he, that's one of the things he was coming through this town for. He had a divine appointment with Zacchaeus and he needed to get a message to Zacchaeus. He didn't have to climb up in that tree for Jesus to know he was there. I think he had to climb up in that tree so he knew Jesus was talking to him. And so you had this picture here, you know, and, and uh, here's a thought for you to consider. Years, years before this event took place, God made sure somebody planted that, that sycamore tree right there in that spot so that it would grow large enough to hold Zacchaeus up high enough so that he could see Jesus. I told you before, I don't believe in coincidence. I, I don't, because I believe in a God who is not only all-knowing, he is also all-powerful. He is also a God of miracles. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that I have faith in. Years before Zacchaeus, maybe even before Zacchaeus was born, he had God designed and had somebody plant that sycamore tree right there in that spot in enough time for it to grow large enough for Zacchaeus to climb it. Grab this out of here. God knows where you are. He knows where you are going to be. And he has prepared what you need. We think sometimes, we think sometimes that, that you know, that, that we get, you know, oh, how is this going to... God knows where you're at. And he knows where you're going. He knows where you're going to be. And he's prepared all you need. Things might seem out of control to you, but life is not a haphazard event when you have a relationship with Christ. Life is not a haphazard event. 
Now, when Jesus reaches that spot where Zacchaeus was, Zacchaeus addresses him. Here's the invitation I don't want you to miss. Verse 5. Look at verse 5. Jesus says to, he says to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Because today, this very day, I'm going to stay at your house. Okay, here's what's communicated there. Come down. Draw close. Spend time with me. Get to know me. This is what Jesus is saying here when he says, hurry, come down. Why? Because today I'm going to spend time here. Come, come down. Come close. Spend time with me. Get to know me. This is what he's communicating here. This is the invitation that's still laid out today for us. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, come to me who? All of you who are weary and burdened. All of you. I'll give rest to you. All of you, take up my yoke, learn from me. All of you, you know, he, he, God still invites us to come to him, to draw close to him, to spend time with him, and to get to know him. God still, he still invites us. Answer the call. Answer the call. He is still inviting us to come, to draw close, to spend time, and to get to know Him. Don't get so intent on watching from a distance that you fail to come to God. Don't get so fearful and afraid to draw close to God. Don't get so busy that you neglect spending time with Him. Don't get so focused on the challenges before you that you don't get to know Him. Don't miss the opportunity for real life. Answer the call. Come to know him. Draw close. Spend time with him. Get to know him. That call is still there for us to do these things. Now Zacchaeus answered the call. Verse 6. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. This is a sinner. A guy who was not liked by anyone. He comes down and welcomes him joyfully. Zacchaeus did not expect this personal encounter with Jesus. He simply expected to be able to watch from a distance. Just a look. Just a look was all he wanted. But Jesus had more planned. Much more. Much more than what Zacchaeus knew. Much more than what Zacchaeus planned. Much more than what Zacchaeus thought was going to happen. I often wonder what Mrs. Zacchaeus thought of this. <laughs> I'm going to come down yesterday and Zacchaeus comes down and welcomes him joyfully. And I always wondered what Mrs. Zacchaeus thought. What are you doing inviting people over? Did you see I haven't cleaned up from the party last night? There's dishes in the bowl. I guess they didn't have a sink. There's laundry I haven't taken down to the river and beat on the rocks yet. I don't know what it was. But, you know, so here's this unexpected, our minds, spur of the moment thing. You know, and, and you know, but, but that, that's, that's not, you know, that's not what was, what was going on here. Uh, we get caught up with what we have to fix. We get caught up with what we have to plan before we can spend time with Jesus. Remember, we encounter God as we are, where we are. And guess what? He cleans us up. He takes us to new places. 
Think about this for a minute. You don't fix your car before you take it to the, to the mechanic. You don't, you don't repair the furnace before you call the repairman. You don't wait until you're healthy before you go to the doctor. My son-in-law, Michael, is having, he's been having some uh, uh, hives breaking out and just to the point where he can't sleep at night and stuff. And so he went to the allergist. They did some things, and uh, they have to do some more things. Well, Mandy called and their general practitioner, the practice he was at, and he apparently retired. And so they set up an appointment uh, for Michael and uh, that he was supposed to come in, uh, I think it was later that same day. But um, then before the appointment time came, the doctor's office called back and said they don't want him to come in now until the hives clear up. (laughs) What? You know, there's a doctor I want to line up for. But, you know, we, we, we don't wait until we're healthy to go to the doctor. You know, you come, you encounter God as we are, where we are, and he cleans us up and takes us to new places. Paul said that, he wrote to Timothy, he said, this is a trustworthy saying, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them. What? Paul? Okay. Okay. We forget sometimes. Jesus came to help us. He came to fix those things that are broken. He came to strengthen those areas that are weak. He came to bring cleansing where we are dirty. We don't get all this stuff fixed up and then go to see him. He came, you know, he came for us as we are where we are. And that is exactly how we encounter him. Now, not only was Zacchaeus not expecting this encounter, neither were the people. Look at verse 7. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. You see, we can get caught up and distracted by others' expectations, but God operates not by the expectations of the crowd, not even by our expectations. God operates by his sovereign will and his sovereign plan. And his all-knowing mind and his all-powerful abilities and his all-loving heart. In the Old Testament, in Jeremiah's day, Israel had rebelled against the Lord by ignoring him and doing their own thing. This was a continual cycle for them. They would, you know, they'd fall and get into sin and then uh, they'd get they'd be disciplined or be suffering uh, the uh, uh, consequences of, of their own foolishness. And then they start whining, well, Lord, we're so sorry. Forgive us. And God would forgive them and things would be on an upswing and, and they'd be doing real well. And then pretty soon they kind of ignored God again and then it would go downhill and then they'd get the consequences of their actions and they'd get at the bottom again. And, you know, and this would go on, and this was a repeated, this is a repeated theme you see throughout the Old Testament. Well, they got to a point where, you know, they had rebelled, they were ignoring God, um, they pushed God so far, and now they were in captivity. God led them, led the Babylonians to conquer his people and put them in captivity. Not just for a week, not just for a day, for years. For generations. 
some of them were born in captivity and died in captivity. This was a discouraging time for the nation. Very discouraging. They thought God didn't care. They thought he was absent. They didn't understand what was going on. And in the midst of this deep struggle and exile, here's what God tells them. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster. To give you a hope, a future and a hope. This is to people who were in captivity. This is to some people who never knew what it was like to live under the blessing of the Lord yet. Verse 12, he says, you call to, you will call to me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. God's not hiding from us. When you search for me with all your heart, you see part of some, some of the problem for some of us is we don't, we, we don't even put a half-hearted effort into it. We just, you know, we show up on a Sunday morning and we think this is all I need. He said, you, you, you'll, you know, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and the places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you. God knows where you are. He knows the person you are. He knows what you have done. And God wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. This is the main theme of the Bible. Restoration. Reconciliation. This is the main theme of the Bible. From Genesis where, where God created you know, and had this, this uh, relationship with man. And it didn't take real, you know, too long until man decided, well, we're going to do our own thing. doesn't matter what God said. We're going to do our own thing. And they fell into sin. And it continues. And, you know, and it goes on. And, and what you see from Genesis all the way through Revelation is God reaching out. And God is in the restoring business. First of all, that restoration of a relationship between God and man. That's, that's huge. That's important. That's there. That has to happen. You know, that has to happen for you to have life. That restoration and coming into a relationship with God and that restoration between God and and man. And then there's also the reconciliation between man and man. You see that throughout Scripture. That That is what's there all the time. You are never, you are never too far for God to reach. You are never too bad for God to restore. You are never so unimportant that God doesn't care. Answer the call. Zacchaeus answers in verse 8. It says, But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give you half my possess- I'll give half my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Zacchaeus wasn't trying to buy salvation here. He wasn't trying to impress Jesus. He was simply responding from a changed heart. You see, real faith brings real change. If there is no real change, then Scripture would tell me there's no real faith. 
If you've answered the call of Jesus, then your life will change. Your way of living will change. Your priorities will change. Zacchaeus went above and beyond what was expected here and what was required. He gave half of all he had to the poor. Out of what was left, he says, he repaid back uh, those he cheated. He said four times, 400%. The 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 law required only one-fifth, only 20%. You know, that if, if he admitted to what he had done, the law required only a 20%, you know, addition to that. Instead, he went to 400%. Why? Because his life was changed. His way of living was changed. His priorities were changed. He answered the call and real faith brought about real change. Now, in case you missed it, uh, you know, and in case they missed it here, Jesus points it out to everyone. Verse 9, he says, today, Salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is the son of Abraham. Those people, they would have been, this would have taken their breath away. That he too, that this, that this sinner, this tax collector, this chief tax collector, he too is the son of Abraham. You gotta be kidding me. He's the same as us. You can't be serious. He says, but salvation has come. That word salvation means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. You see, when we answer the call, Jesus delivers us to a place of safety. Jesus brings salvation. He preserves us. He preserves our salvation. Our life is changed. Now, don't overlook the importance of verse 10. We're going to wrap this up here. Don't overlook the importance of verse 10. Even for those of you who are already, who already have a relationship with Jesus. This is not just a verse for those who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus knew that he was lost and needed a relationship with Jesus. He knew that. We too often think we're not that bad. We're just, we're not that bad. We have a relationship with Jesus, but we don't always live like we have a relationship with Jesus. Quit answering the calls that you should ignore. Quit answering those calls that you should ignore and that pull you away from God. Quit answering those. The word lost, you know, it certainly means those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, but it, but it, it, it's broader than that. The word means a loss of well-being. That's what that word means, that Jesus came to seek and to save those who have a loss of well-being. Yes, it also means, you know, those who are, you know, eternally lost. But who do you, if you don't know Jesus, you're eternally lost. But he's talking here about that loss of well-being. Think of loss. You know, when something or something is lost, it's in the wrong place. Did you ever lose your keys? They were in the wrong place lose your shoes in the wrong place lose it's just simply in the when you are in the wrong place when you are in the wrong place god is calling out to you answer the call answer that call god wants more for you and that will only happen when he gets more of you when you are ignoring him, then you're not going to change. Why? Because you're ignoring him. Answer the call. Don't be satisfied to simply see Jesus from a distance. Don't be satisfied with simply a brief encounter. Invite him into your everyday living. 
Answer the call. Answer that call. In whatever part of your life Jesus is calling to you, quit ignoring him. Quit chasing your own short-sighted, incomplete agenda. And answer the call. 